Welcome back. It's Han Talks First, the podcast you go to to get the answers to all the questions you could ever have about Star Wars, such as, where does Qui-Gon Jinn keep all of his peanut butter? Well, that's easy. In a jar jar. That's right. We are here on episode 12 of Han Talks First. I'm your host, Han. No guests today, sorry, just me, but we are, I'm sure by the title, you already know what we're going to talk about, and that is Ray of the sequel trilogies. And a little bit also about Daisy Ridley, the actor portraying Ray. I got a lot of news for you, and I'm going to go over a bunch of theories about what we're going to get in episode nine about Ray. So first, let's talk about a bunch of news that just came out last week from uh, Daisy Ridley. She's on a press tour right now uh, for her new movie, Ophelia. And of course, everyone who interviews her is going to ask about Star Wars because that's who she is right now. She's Rey, and that's how everyone knows her. Um, and it's kind of funny because when you watch her interviews for Ophelia, she gets kind of, like, annoyed that people keep asking her about Star Wars. She's like, I'm obviously trying to promote Ophelia. Why is everyone asking about Star Wars? It's, oh, yeah, because Star Wars is awesome. Um, I don't know, it's kind of funny. Uh, you could kind of see her enthusiasm for the IP has kind of diminished a little bit the through the years. Like, it, I remember in 2014, 2015, she was like the most giddy person in the world. She was so happy to be in Star Wars. She was always smiling and just having a good time, just embracing every little aspect of what she was doing. Recently... She hasn't appeared to be that excited anymore, and uh, it's it's a little disappointing. I, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's more to it. Maybe she's just trying to be like, in order to keep all the secrets, she has to contain herself, and that kind of puts a mask on, you know, um, not on purpose. But maybe she's just doing it so that she doesn't slip up and say something she's not supposed to. Uh, but either way. She's still a wonderful human being, um, and I, I'm I'm totally confident that she is 100 uh, percent invested in what she's doing still to this day. So anyway, she's on a press tour for Ophelia, but everyone's asking about Star Wars, and I just wanted to go over some of the things she talked about. Um, the first thing I wanted to mention was I think it's really interesting that she said this is the first time. Well. For Ophelia, she was like, this is the first time I ever feel like the leading character in a movie. I thought that was really interesting because if to me she's always stood out as the main character of the sequel trilogies, or who is supposed to be, I guess. Um, 
but apparently to her it doesn't feel that way. Um, maybe that was with the recent treatment in like The Last Jedi, for example, because she wasn't a lead character in that. Honestly, she was barely involved with that movie. And I know she had said that she was very disappointed she didn't get to spend more time with John Boyega, a.k.a. FN2187, F, a.k.a. Finn, a.k.a. Storm Pilot. Um, but, yeah, so I just found that interesting. You know, uh, I definitely think she was the leading uh, character of The Force Awakens. That that story was all about her. I would say it was mostly her and Finn. They had equal screen time, equal contribution to the overall arcing story, and they had a, the strongest connections with each other. Uh, kind of the hero and the anti-hero. Ray being the hero, Finn being the anti-hero, because he comes from uh, the dark side of the Force, being an ex-stormtrooper um, who wants to convert. And, oh, it's also interesting that Ray wants to convert into the, uh, the Force, the Resistance, and Finn wants to convert out of the dark side. So they're both kind of on, like, this neutral ground, and that's what makes them so similar. And I guess that's where their chemistry comes from, because they both kind of don't belong where they are. Um... So, yeah, we had that. Um, some other things she mentioned was that the cast and the crew got emotional a few times during the making of The Rise of Skywalker. She said um, that this one is it is very moving. A lot of it was very emotional and moving for her and for other members of the crew. Um, she did also say that The Rise of Skywalker is a more technical movie than any of the others, which I think is awesome. Uh, it, that means it's going to be, probably, in my opinion, the most delicate, uh, most uh, uh, effort is put into the making of this movie, which is what we need. Uh, it has to. It's the last movie. You know, um, she also said that her and no one else has seen a rough cut of the movie, which is typically normal. Um, but at the same time, she's only seen bits and pieces. Most leads will get to come in and see dailies or rough cuts of footage or uh, placeholders for like reshoots and stuff. But no one's seen the rough cut for Rise of Skywalker. They're definitely keeping this one under wraps, very secretive. Um, she said the Rise of Skywalker is the most excited she's ever felt during the making of Star Wars movies, which is great. She also said the word epic. This movie is epic and that it's satisfying. It's going to be satisfying for the fans. That's interesting, too. Because J.J. said the same exact thing. So I'm wondering if all the creators for this movie came together and collectively agreed 
on the story. Because so far, everyone has said around the same things that this movie is satisfying and it will be satisfying. And they all love the ending. It was very emotional, it's powerful, it's epic. And we didn't get that with The Last Jedi. So, and that's because we had one creative mind making the movie he wanted to make, which was the director. And there was a lot of people that didn't have the same view on it or same appreciation as uh, others. But this one, everyone's saying the same things, which I think is really interesting and I think it's really cool. And that could make for a better movie. It could also not. You know, they could all be on the wrong page, but we'll see. Some other things she said was, oh, she's, she's not going to make another appearance as Rey in Star Wars after this. Um, a lot of people were speculating she was going to be involved in Ryan Johnson's trilogy and or the Game of Thrones trilogy. Game of Thrones writers, not Game of Thrones Star Wars. Um, but she has publicly stated that she is not going to be involved and she will not be playing Rey after The Rise of Skywalker, which leads me to believe that maybe she's going to die. That could happen. I know it's kind of a stretch because she's the lead character of this movie and also a a Force-sensitive female. We don't have a lot of them. I don't understand why you would want to kill one off that you've made so important to the franchise. But yeah, so that's... That's what she said about that. And she also said that um, this movie has, it does a very well job of wrapping up the entire story. Not just this trilogy, but all nine movies together. And she says the ending is brilliant. Her words. Um, and the reason why I'm putting so much emphasis on what she said about the ending and the story of this movie is because we didn't, she didn't say anything about that during The Last Jedi. She did about The Force Awakens. And for me, that's important because I like The Force Awakens and I dislike The Last Jedi. And I'm really hoping for a winner on this last one. Of course, I speak selfishly. I know that's not ethical because I do a podcast and there's a bunch of different people listening who have different opinions on these movies, and that's awesome. That's how it should be. Um, But it's very vocal this time around from many of the people in the making of this movie. Think about it. Kylo Ren, uh, Adam Driver, he has said, we have one more time to get it right. Like, this is the last time as an actor to portray your character in the best way possible. And that speaks strong as well, because what is he talking about? Did he mean like, you know, he did, he didn't like how he portrayed him in previous scenes. Is he nervous about um, making sure it's the best it can be? I don't know. And John Boyega has said some stuff too, but I'm going to come back to that because that's really important. And this episode is mainly mainly about Daisley, <laughs> mainly about Daisy Ridley, or Razy Diddley, and a couple, a few last things that she said was that Carrie Russell cried when she first read the script. She and that's interesting too because she's a brand new character. Maybe it was just 
the excitement got to her and she became overwhelmed with emotion because of that. Or it could just be that it's fucking brilliant, like Daisy says. And the last thing Daisy really said was she's, I'm really sad about this. She said she's never coming back to social media. And that makes me really sad because she's such an inspiration and she like has such a positive vibe and a strong disposition. And it's just really nice to, sorry guys, my apartment building is, the walls are relatively thin and I think I hear a dog. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but anyway. So yeah, she's not coming back to social media ever. Her words. Um, anyway, that's, that's just kind of sad for me because I like to occasionally keep up with the actors I like, especially if it, there's in Star Wars so I can learn the latest updates about it or their opinions. So I guess we won't be hearing much from her after this press tour until, that is, we get the Rise of Skywalker press tour. So... That's all uh, the real news from Daisy. She's going to have some more uh, press tour dates on on this upcoming campaign she's doing for the movie Ophelia, so I'm sure we'll get more info. But until then, uh, that's all we have. And that was just from last week's, last couple of three days that she's done this. Um, let me jump into what John Boyega was saying real quick before I get into the some of my Ray themes. And then uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So what happened was John Boyega got involved into a Twitter thread. He gets involved in many of them, uh, and they sometimes go undiscovered because of that. It's not on his main uh, Twitter profile. but And this, uh, this is just getting talked about a lot, so I just wanted to touch on it. But it hints that he may not be happy with how Disney has handled the new Star Wars movies. And it all started where uh, someone was saying that John Boyega's character in Star Wars is the most useless after The Force Awakens, uh, predominantly in The Last Jedi, and how um, it's not his fault, it's based off bad writing, and uh, you don't hear him complain about it. John Boyega replied with, I have those discussions on set. A lot of people imply this as him saying that I did have a problem with it, but I kept it on production. I didn't go outside of the production and speak it publicly. It could go either way. I don't have any thoughts on this. But then he goes on to explain, or someone else joins in and says that, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, someone named Fat Iron Man. I hope after episode nine, we hear the true feelings from the actors after seeing Game of Thrones actors voice their displeasure with the way their show ended. It gives me hope. I suspect we will hear similar stuff January or February next year. Episode seven was okay. Episode eight was shit. Hopefully episode nine is good. That's not my quote, just so everyone knows. <laughs> okay, and then John Boyega replied, don't worry, I most definitely will. So... He's saying he's going to voice his opinion on the current Disney movies after they come out. Which means he has negative things to say. 
Why? Because you can, when you're promoting a movie, you have all good things to say. Why would you withhold that you enjoyed the process and you were positive about everything and you were happy with the outlook? Why would you withhold that from a press tour or just a general public knowledge? You know, he, he's probably keeping all the negative things inside. That's that's really it. There was nothing else added on to that. This could honestly just be a jab at Mark Hamill, like a, um, a non-direct way of him telling Mark Hamill to kind of shut his mouth and just keep it to himself, voice your opinions well after the movie's over. But I, I do believe it could be part of that. But I do believe that he has some problems with the movie and he's going to voice that once it is once he's his contract is officially done and he's out. Because what happens is when you are involved in a movie like that and your current your contract is still in in motion and your the movie project is still going on, you are considered an employee for them and if you speak out negatively about the project that hurts it in any way, they dock your pay. And or they withhold bonuses and stuff like that. And that's what's happened with Mark Hamill, which is why he had to come out publicly and apologize. Of course, since then, he hasn't really stopped doing what he's doing. Uh, he's kind of, he talks around it and stuff. I think that's because he was docked some kind of bonus or pay. So he now, since it can't go any lower, he just keeps talking about it. But he did have to publicly apologize. It was probably because they would probably terminate his contract and, like, uh, force no more pay or some kind of residual thing. I don't know. But I'm telling you, that's what's happening. And it's kind of sad that that's the way the world works, you know? But, again, I could be wrong. But I am very interested, come January, February next year, to see what John Boyega has to say because he's obviously hinting at something. Or else why, why would he say that, you know? Okay, so I'm done on my tangent. Let's get back. To the woman of the hour, Daisy Ridley, or for this part of the show, Ray. So, I'm going to dive into a bunch of Ray themes. Some of the best themes that I have seen, heard, or came up with myself. And I mean, there's tons of theories out there, but these are just some that I would like to highlight. Excuse me. Sorry, I just needed a swig of Coke. Okay. Ah, it's a little flat. You know what's weird? And a lot of people (laughs) think I'm really weird for this, but I actually like flat Coke. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That's my my thing. That's my weird thing that I have. Uh, I love Coke when it's carbonated, and I love Coke when it's flat. I just think it's, it's good all around, you know? Um, definitely a Coke guy over a Pepsi guy. However, Mexican cola is the way to go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm telling you, it's like, it's the best. They use, (coughs) excuse me, they use a different type of sugar. I believe they use sugar cane instead of the artificial, um, sweeteners that is put into regular Coca-Cola. And it, it does make a difference. Not to mention they also serve it in a glass, and drinking it from a glass 
rather than aluminum does make a difference as well. And if you don't believe me, it's true. Try this. I'm totally getting off of Star Wars, but try this out. So go. I'll relate it back. Okay, go to the store, get some Star Wars yogurt with Daisy Ridley on it, go home and taste it with a silver spoon, and then try it again with a plastic spoon. Drastic change in the way it tastes. Trust me, it's weird, but it has to do with the material that your utensil is made out of. Anyway, fun fact of the day. Okay, so before we get into the different theories, and I have four that I want to touch on, let's talk about who Rey is. Okay, so she is a Force-sensitive female human from Jakku, and she, her, I guess you could say employment, her her job is that she is a scavenger. All right, that's a job. She does it for... Pay the payment is food, so I guess it works. So her job is a scavenger, and um, judging by the Force Awakens, it seems like that's what she's done her whole life while on Jakku. Now we don't know where she's from prior to Jakku because we know she was dropped off. Right? She was abandoned there by somebody, and. Let's see what else we know. We know that the force awoke in her. There was no training. It just it just came to be one day. Um, however, she did imply that she had seen visions and stuff before. Um, but since this journey where Finn came into her life, that's when it really started to kick in, the force powers and her force sensitivity. We do know that she is, I think she's 19 I can't remember correctly. But in The Force Awakens, she's 19. Well, Last Jedi was right after The Force. So she's 19. Um, and let's see what else. She's very pretty. Um, that has nothing to do with these theories, but she's she's gorgeous. Um, let's see what else, what else, what else, what else, what else. We know she is at least bilingual. Because she speaks basic, and then she also speaks whatever that uh, creature is on Jakku, Tito. Natala Naparquad! Um, which I guess means put him down, or let him go. But uh, yeah, so we know she's bilingual. Okay. Um, and we do know that she has a great sense of purpose. Um, at least... Finding her purpose. Uh, she's lost. She's a lost girl. Um, and she appreciates things. Uh, like life. She appreci- appreciates the existence of life, even though it is artificial, such as BB-8, because she did not give him up for food, which was very ethical on uh, so many different levels. Um, and she also appreciates the food that she's given. Uh, she appreciates... Um, Finn, her, his, the, their, their friendship. Um, and you can tell she's very loyal, uh, such as to BB-8, to Finn, to everybody. She just kind of wants to help everybody out, and she does it in a very empathetic way. Um, so yeah, she's, uh, she's great. 
Okay, so let's dive into it a little bit more about, a little bit deeper about Ray. So before I jump into these theories, I want you to, I want to point some things out from the movies that have to do with who she is, either background or where she's going or um, the choices she's going to make all for episode nine. So we do know Kylo Ren knows Ray even before meeting her. Here's why. So in The Force Awakens, when that henchman came up to Kylo Ren and told him that they got away with the plans, the BB, the BB he, Finn took FN-2187, got away with the BB-8 unit, and they are leaving Jakku. And then he like does his little temper tantrum and throws his lightsaber on the control board. And then the guy says, well, he's like, anything else? And the guy says, the two were accompanied by a girl. And then he freaks out and he's like, what girl? So for, for me, that kind of implies that he knows something about a girl out there who is maybe part of a prophecy. Because he was just, he was so agitated and then he cooled down and then he was like, anything else? And then he said he was accompanied by a girl and that just set him off. Why would that set him off? I mean, I don't think it has to do with because it was a girl. But I think in the back of his mind, he heard a story or read a prophecy before about some girl who would come of the force and be uh, powerful and be his, um, his, his, his hurdle to his goal, whatever his goal is. So he said, what girl? I think he knows about Ray's existence but doesn't know who she is specifically. Um, that could also, <coughs> excuse me, tie back in with what he says in the second movie when he says, um, do you want to know about your parents? Um, they were nobody. They were filthy junk traders who sold you for drinking money. Why, how would he know? How would he know that? Some people say he searched her mind and found it that way, but she didn't even know who her family was. So that's what uh, he, I feel like he knows about her. Oh, anyway, so we got that. Okay. Now let's get into Maz Kanata. Maz Kanata, I believe she knows who Ray is as well. Um, because she was like, she told her in The Force Awakens, the belonging you seek is not behind you, but is ahead. What does that mean? Hmm? How would she know, first of all? And uh, she also says, um, you know, the people you're waiting for, they're never coming back. Like, how does she know so much about Ray? After just meeting her for the first time. Ray has got to be a part of a prophecy. Now, that's my theory, um, but I'm going to get deeper into that later. Um, and, of course, it, I feel like Han Solo knows who it is, too. Um, not initially seeing her, but then after hearing that she's from Jakku and um, just, just, every, just like how she learned about the hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon, knows how to fly it and stuff, being a quick learner, adaptable. 
I feel like Han Solo knows who she is as well. And also, well, Ray knows about Octu, right? Because in The Last Jedi, she said, like, when she was walking through the, the tree um, archive of the little Jedi text, she was like, I know this place. I've seen it in my dreams. Like, why? Why? How, how do you know about this place? Right? She's had visions. That was part of her early force awakening. The visions from when she was young and stuff like that. And also her force connection to Kylo Ren. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Now, all of these things are important for the theories that I'm about to give you. But really quick, I want to touch on something. Everyone I just mentioned knows something about Rey, a.k.a. this girl. Maz Kanata calls her, telling me about the girl. Kylo Ren, what girl? And then uh, even Princess Leia. She's like, Poe told me about the girl. Everyone's calling her the girl. She's got to be a part of a prophecy. There is some kind of text out there or a proverb that states, a girl, the girl, will be awoken by the force and will bring balance or destroy the dark or something like that. So I think that's interesting. Everyone knows who Rey is or they know of her existence. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so the first, the first theory here is uh, kind of wild, but uh, I think it's very interesting. Ray killed her parents. Now, there is evidence to back this up. This is not my theory. I saw it on Reddit somewhere, and I would credit the name if I remembered, but I'm kind of doing this off memory. But... So the theory is Ray killed her parents. Now, we do know that Ray's parents are dead. They are buried in an unmarked tomb. It's not on Jakku. I do not remember what planet it is. But we do know her parents are dead, involving this theory. It is canon, guys, if you're wondering. Ray's parents being dead and buried is canon. Now, whether it's a decoy, who knows? Okay, so... The theory um, defends itself by saying that when she was having her force vision after touching the lightsaber, um, <coughs> she sees force visions, and one of the visions was seeing that, as a little girl, seeing that that ship take off from Jakku, supposedly the people that dropped her off there, and it fades into the dark, and when it fades to a dark sky, it turns back on her and her face is red. Similar to how later on in the later scenes we see Kylo Ren, after he kills his father, the light shines on him and it's a red Kylo Ren. Now this is all very uh, symbolic imagery that this theory has to back it up. Um, But I do think it's interesting. I mean, she knows how to use a weapon right away. Um, I don't know. I didn't really dive in too much of it, but I think it's funny. Ray kills her parents. There's no way that's true because Ray is like the sweetest being in the world or in the galaxy. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. This one is a very popular one. This is not mine. This is just, uh, I think, a generic theory that everyone thinks. Ray is a clone. 
That's right. She is a clone. Now, there's tons of things to back this up. For example, one of them in, uh, I think it's the Dark Empire novel, uh, Emperor Palpatine made several clones of himself as a contingency plan for if he were to die during the operations of the new empire. And after he would die, his soul would transfer into one of his cloned bodies, who would become less powerful each time and not have as much longevity to his life, but he would still be alive to foresee his plans. And um, so we do know that cloning is canon, and obviously because of the Clone Wars, which was very popular. Um, You do have to be... It is very expensive to do clones in the Star Wars galaxy, and really the only people that could fund it, according to uh, canon uh, information, such as comics and stuff, is the dark side, the Empire, the First Order, people with um, very big financial <clears throat> resources. So if she was a clone, There are theory, the theory is that she would be... Um, uh, Supposed to be dark side. Um, and that could be why we are reintroducing Palpatine into episode nine. Maybe he, she was the clone. Who knows? Another um, theory, version of this theory is that she is a clone from Luke's hand that got cut off on Cloud City the one that Darth Vader chopped off. Now, The Force Awakens was originally supposed to open with that floating hand, that hand floating in space. And Maz Kanata, on one of her journeys, came across it, and that's how she obtained it. Um, This is a very cool theory. I actually really like this, and I would love to see this put into existence. Um, And it's also theorized that Palpatine could be one of the people that found it. And use that to clone Luke because he knew he was the most powerful. After in the Return of the Jedi, when he says, I have foreseen this and this and this, blah, 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 he knows who Luke is. He knows there's a child of Skywalker in the Empire Strikes Back. <coughs> and um, so there's that theory. Sorry for the coughing, guys. I'm still getting over being sick. Okay. Um, I'm trying my best to hold back, but sometimes I got that little itch, but. Don't worry, I'm not going to be doing this for much longer. Coughing, not podcasting. So anyway, there's that version of the theory to back it up. I think it'd be really cool if she was a clone. I would actually accept that if that was part of her her history. Um, It would also explain a lot of things such as why when she went down into the cave on Octu, when she asked to see her parents, it showed her millions of forms of her, like, just that mirrored version of herself several and several times as if maybe she's not the first clone, but she could be the 12th, 15th, maybe even 30th version of that clone. And throughout every generation, they have tried to see if it could work whoever made the clone and use it for their inner machinations. So I think Ray is a vessel and she's also a pawn. She's not, uh, well, she she is a very strong individual and she's trying to dive into that individuality and get her purpose in life. And that's why the force awakens in her because it's showing that, you know, you can create something, but
But just because you create it doesn't mean you have control over it. Those things, everyone can control themselves. So I think that's a very interesting theme that could run through that if the theory were correct that she was a clone. All right. um, The third theory I have, we've got two more guys. The third theory is that Luke, or (laughs) Luke, Ray. Ray is a Skywalker. So before you shut it down, hear me out. Um, So Ray is Luke's daughter, okay? And when she was born, Luke knew about her. Han knew about her. Or maybe, actually, Luke didn't know about her. Sorry. When she was born, Han knew about her. And um, Leia knew about her. And whoever um, was Ray's mother knew about her. You know, the girl that Luke boned to have a baby. Um, so Luke didn't know anything about his daughter. Okay. And I feel like in the history of the Skywalkers after Return of the Jedi, Luke found somebody, fell in love, um, but then they started having problems and they fell apart. And so after that, the woman realized that she was pregnant, but because of the fallout she had with Luke, she didn't want to say anything. And she went to Leia and Han for support. Maybe she was friends with Leia. And they said, well, she's probably going to be Force-sensitive, but maybe we don't want another Force-sensitive being around us because we're involved in the war. Um, We don't want a child to grow up in that environment. Let's send her to Jakku. Maybe Jakku had promises of other opportunities for Rey. We see at the beginning of The Force Awakens and the old man who was giving the map to uh, Poe Dameron, that little um, uh, de- area of uh, people seemed like a very good group of people, that uh, development. Um, maybe that area was the place she was supposed to go, but instead she got put onto her scavenging a lot of people. But anyway, I think the people that went down on that ship to drop her off and, quote, abandon her on that planet was Han and Leia. And they facaded the identity of drunk traders who were selling her for drinking money. And so no one knew who they were. And then they just left her there. And um, because of that, Ray had no idea who they were. So I, I believe they all staged it out. You know, like they staged she was stolen and then sold for drinking money. And that's the story that stuck. And that's the story that everyone in the galaxy heard. Because Kylo Ren knew there were scavengers or drunk junk traders who went for drinking money, right? So I think that was the story they built around Rey trying to hide her true identity as a Skywalker. See how I'm backing this up? See how it's making sense? Isn't this so cool? Like, what if this is how... I mean, obviously, the filmmakers, J.J. and Chris Terrio, are gonna, they're better writers than I am and have a 
know how to tell that kind of story and they'll make it magical and special and everything. But I think this could work, you know? So uh, some other things to back this up. Uh, the first time Princess Leia ever meets Rey, she doesn't say a single word. She just goes in for a hug. Why? Why? And they embrace that hug. Like, I don't know. It's just fishy. It's something's fishy. It's twisty. Very twisty. But um, also, another uh, way to back this up, the Luke's lightsaber calls to her. Okay? Maz cannot have said, the lightsaber calls to you. Right? And she said before that, um, it, this belonged to Anakin Skywalker. And then it was Luke's. And now it calls to you. No, no one knows except for Leia and Han and whoever her mom was that that's who Rey is. Rey is a Skywalker. No one else knows. So that's why it's so interesting. Yet there might be a prophecy out there that there's a Force-sensitive girl who will bring balance to the Force. Luke has no idea. And because of that, maybe that's why he went to that island. Lost the love of his life. Felt so bad about it, so he went as a recluse. That would make sense. I would accept that because I know about loss and heartbreak. That makes sense. If it's really that serious. So that could work. That's, that's the third theory that Ray is a Skywalker. Last one. This one may sound a little weird, but we've already experienced this in the Star Wars universe. And it's very believable. Ray is was conceived from the force simple as that i do believe she had a mother but i believe there was no father the force was the father in a way in a weird kind of way i have always said from the beginning the force is a character in star wars oops sorry if you guys heard my ringtone which is also bb8 by the way (laughs) um so yeah We've seen it before, obviously. Anakin Skywalker was conceived of the Force. Shmi never had a... There was never a man in her life, you know, before Lars, of course. Owen Lars. Um, But she said herself she couldn't explain it. There was no father. She just had him one day. Um, And Anakin Skywalker's midichlorian count was the highest that anyone had ever seen. If we were to test rays, would it show the same results as Anakin Skywalker? And also... uh, Anakin is kind of perceived in the Revenge of the Sith that he didn't really require much training to learn dark side powers or be as powerful with the dark side. It was just a matter of accepting that power is when he could use it. Rey, when she accepts the power of the Force, she's able to use it without any training. Very similar. So I think it could work. You know, I mean, we've seen it before. It could also play in that she is a Skywalker because Skywalkers can be born of the Force. So Rise of the Skywalker, um, it ties in. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker. It's all talking about the same fucking person, Rey. I don't know, I think it'd be cool. No more evidence to back that up. I think that one's pretty straightforward. I'm going to go over the theories again one more time for you guys to hear them out and tell me what you think about them. Um, the first one, Ray killed her parents 
I know that says nothing about where her character is going, but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to share. Number two, Ray is a clone. Number three, Ray is a Skywalker. Number four, Ray was conceived of the Force and she is the living Force. So that's it, guys. Why don't you tell me what your theories are? I'm sure there's tons of other like ways we could tell this story, right? I mean, let's hear it. I want you to go crazy with it. Tell me your wildest theory, and let's make a fan film. It could be a crossover between Star Wars and Jurassic Park, and we somehow explain that Rey is Laura Dern, and even though she was also in Star Wars, and it wouldn't make much sense, it was the older version of herself because she's a clone. And that was just another, uh, it was an older clone of her. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Han Talks First would be nothing without the listeners. And I can't wait to come back on, make more content, get some more guests on here. Follow the Instagram, follow the Twitter Check out the Patreon. I don't really post it that much, but, you know, that's where you can go and show a little extra support if you know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, thank you guys so much. Hashtag Han Talks First. This is Han Talks First. I had a blast. May the Force be with you. I'll see you next week.